Moncrief on News Talk. Now, when he was doing the research for his Ibis trilogy of novels, Amitav Ghosh was struck by the central role played by opium. It established the system of globalised trade we have today, and it's the subject of his latest non-fiction work, Smoke and Ashes, Opium's Hidden Histories. Amitav, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, so, could you start by explaining for us uh, the role of tea in this? Because the opium trade really was as a result of uh, uh, the British Empire trying to buy as much tea as it could from China. Yes, uh, in fact, uh, it's a very strange uh, instance of two plants, uh, you know, that uh, played such an important role in the modern, modern world. So from the late 17th century onwards, tea became a very uh, prized beverage in uh, in Britain. And taxes on tea contributed an enormous amount to British revenues. I mean, it became the second largest source of revenue. So the British, uh, the British economy became, as it were, dependent on tea. And tea was uh, sourced uh, entirely from China. It was a monopoly of the East India Company. And the thing about tea was that it had to be paid for in silver because the Chinese wouldn't accept anything else. Uh, they had uh, no uh, no use for British goods. So, uh, you know, while there was a lot of silver available in the world economy, that is in the uh, 17th and early 18th centuries, you know, that was just fine. But a, 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 a time came when uh, silver became more and more hard uh, to find because of various developments, uh, you know, especially uh, in South America and so on. So the British had to find an alternative, uh, you know, something that they could sell to the Chinese that they would buy. And this was also the time when the British uh, were becoming dominant in eastern India. And in 1763, the British happened to conquer the part of India where opium was uh, historically produced. Now, opium, uh, you know, uh, is a very important medicinal substance. Uh, It goes back uh, thousands of years. Uh, humans have always uh, used opium, uh, you know, uh, as a drug for mm-hmm. medicinal purposes. So um, uh, opium was produced in India in small quantities, and a small quantity of opium uh, used to be uh, traded with China. So the British then decided that they would expand the market for opium in China. So they uh, they established a monopoly on the on the cultivation of opium poppies in India. And they very rapidly grew the market for opium in China. And, uh, you know, consequent upon that, they very rapidly expanded the cultivation of opium poppies uh, in uh, the uh, Gangetic Plain. I mean, you know, they increased the production of opium a hundredfold, you know. Yeah. And and, and what affected that? Because from your book, it seems as if a lot of the Indian farmers who were essentially forced to grow the poppies, they didn't. It wasn't there was nothing in it for them. No, they were growing it uh, below cost. I mean, essentially, it was absolutely a coercive uh, form of production. And, uh, you know, there have been um, two studies recently which uh, demonstrate this, uh, you know, beyond any doubt, even though that was well known always. Yes, there was nothing in it for them. They would, they just got, big, uh, you know, got poorer and poorer. And because of the monoculture, the uh, you know, the seasonal monoculture of opium, uh, the agricultural cycle became completely disrupted. So in a way, like uh, like you had, uh, you know, with potatoes in Ireland, uh, 
and you know not at about the same time almost you know when traditional forms of agriculture become very disrupted uh, it often leads to famine and that's what happened in india in the late 18th century and early 19th century uh, there was a series of famines but through these famines are uh, these uh, these uh, unfortunate peasants were forced uh, to keep on cultivating opium yeah now the, the uh, what was china's reaction to this well, the Chinese, uh, you know, they kept a, a wary eye on the world, and they were aware because of uh, uh, Ch- many Chinese merchants being present in Java. They were aware that the Dutch had used opium, uh, you know, all, in a very instrumental way in the uh, in the East Indies in expanding the empire in the East Indies. So they were they banned opium very early in 1729, in fact, and they repeated this ban several times. Uh, so, uh, in fact, uh, you know, the import of opium was a completely a criminal activity in China, uh, but it continued to increase because, you know, opium is one of those substances, as we've seen in America in recent years, where it's it's not supply that follows demand; it's rather demand that follows supply. Mm. Uh, you know, as happened as was the case with OxyContin. Yeah. So uh, the uh, so the Chinese finally decided that they had to crack down, and in 1839 they uh, they sent a viceroy to uh, Guangzhou, who tried to crack down, who confiscated enormous quantities of opium, and uh, the British treated this as a casus belli for war, and that was. Uh, that led to the first opium war of 1840 to 42 when the british literally forced china to continue to uh, to import uh, opium from their colony in india yeah now the, the the and what's fascinating in your book is is i'm and i use the word advisedly the the the, uh, the philosophical underpinning of british continue uh, of britain continuing this trade in that they had these ideas about history and progress which to them at least yes. meant a very specific thing Oh, yes. Uh, so uh, for them, you know, the whole idea of progress uh, is, a, is a fairly recent one. It starts in about 1752. Uh, it's uh, the, 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 idea, uh, the, the idea is coined by a French economist who was also a minister. Uh, but, you know, the whole idea was that, uh, you know, humans are constantly going to be sort of improving their lot. And in order to continue to improve their lot, uh, they sometimes have to go through, you know, various kinds of difficulties. And, you know, so whether they're uh, poor peasants in England or poor peasants in India doesn't really matter. It's okay to continue to exploit and uh, exploit them and uh, really oppress them in the most awful ways, uh, because it contributes ultimately to something called progress. Uh, you know, in the in the case of opium, it was also tied in with British ideas in free trade. Uh, you know, this is uh, many of the opium traders, the major opium traders were Scottish and they were actually, you know, from uh, the University of Edinburgh. So they'd uh, uh, they'd absorbed the ideas of uh, Adam Smith and David Ricardo and so on. And they always claimed that, you know, uh, they were trading in opium simply because there was a demand. And uh, if they didn't meet the supply, someone else would. Mm. And this this is an argument that has continued through the through the ages. I mean, it was what uh, Purdue Pharma 
uh, which marketed OxyContin said, they said, oh, we're just meeting uh, latent demand, as they called it. Yeah. And, and also, as, uh, um, as I understand it, there was kind of also an idea that, well, you know, non-white people are more inclined towards addiction anyway. Yes, this was very true. I mean, you know, they they created this whole mythology of the degenerate Oriental, uh, of the of the weakness of Oriental bodies, that the Orientals uh, could not uh, could not survive without opium. Uh, you know, this completely disregarding the fact that there was no demand for opium in China yeah. uh, until until Westerners began to introduce it. Yeah. No, and, and as you say, that the, the, the British Empire was a terrifically efficient narco state uh, for, for, for so many years. But it, uh, it was also struck by and even though the, the American trade here was relatively brief, the amount of well-known American families um, who made their fortune from this. Yes, it's an astonishing thing. I mean, well, you know, for Americans, uh, immediately after their independence, they were they were in a difficult state, uh, you know, because they were surrounded by British colonies and couldn't trade with them. So they needed a trade partner. And uh, so they started trading with China. And for a while, they were able to, uh, you know, find some goods that the Chinese wanted, like furs and ginseng and so on. But, you know, the market for those commodities uh, is not very elastic. So finally, they had to, uh, they, uh, they were very clever. They discovered these a uh, new source of opium, which was Turkey. So they pioneered the opium route from Turkey to, uh, to China. The really interesting aspect of this is that it was a very small group of families you know, all based in the Northeast region. They were uh, they were very closely interconnected. They were sort of up, uh, upper level white families. Most of them, many of them were, uh, you know, dated back to the Mayflower or to, uh, to the 17th century in America. So, uh, yes, uh, th- this group of families eventually came to be known as the Boston Brahmins mm. uh, because they were so closely connected. Uh, and it, they included several presidential families, like the Coolidges were very involved in the opium trade. Uh, and most, uh, the, perhaps the most striking example is that of uh, a, a major opium trader called Andrew Delano. Uh, who was, uh, you know, one of the biggest opium traders in uh, in Canton in the uh, in the 19th century? Uh, but when he came back to America, he he married very well. He was immensely wealthy, and his grandson happened to be Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Hmm. And uh, uh, you know, so the Roosevelt money actually came from the Delano side of the family, and it came almost entirely from opium. Yeah, this is a fact that's well known, but often not acknowledged. Yeah, in India, it, it, has that this period of history been brushed over a little bit? I know there still is a functioning opium factory, or at least one in India. But uh, other than that, uh, there are two major functioning opium factories in India. Uh, one of them is very old. It goes back to the 18th century. Uh, this is the Ghazipur Opium Factory. This factory has probably created more wealth for Britain than any other single industrial in, uh, uh, facility. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the other one is a newer factory. It's called Neemach. It was founded in 1935 by the British, even at a time 
uh, when uh, the whole world was trying to shut down the opium trade here, they opened the biggest uh, opium factory in the world. And these two factories between them continue to produce a very large uh, quantity of the world's licit opium, you know, because opium is still very widely used for all kinds of medicines. In fact, all of us have probably taken, you know, an opioid-based medication at some point. Because cough syrups are based, are, you know, are made with opioids. Um, uh, diarrhea med- medications are made with opioids. So the world needs a certain amount of licit opium, mm. and India continues to be one of the major producers. Uh, though th- th- this previous, uh, the previous period, though the illicit trade, I- I- is that spoken about much in India? Oh, it's not really. That, that's the uh, that's the strange thing. I mean, uh, you know. Uh, the whole subject around opium became very much uh, stigmatized and, uh, you know, there was a kind of taboo around it. Friends of mine who've actually produced some of the most important research on the opium uh, on the opium trade, uh, historians actually uh, tell me that they have great difficulty getting Indian students uh, interested in, uh, in this subject because there's still a kind of sort of hesitation and fear about it. And actually, it is such a grim and horrible story that... Uh, uh, I can see why people sort of instinctively recoil from it. You know, yeah. I mean, I did myself. It's not something that I enjoyed writing about, but, you know, someone has to do it. Yeah. Amitav, thank you so much for speaking with us today. That was Amitav Ghosh there. The name of that book is Smoke and Ashes, Opium's Hidden Histories. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.